1: let's begin
0: welcome everybody it is monday march 20th 2023 we're so glad to have you joining us on another podcast this podcast is graded by mortgage professionals it is for mortgage professionals and we're so grateful to have you as our listener again our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere do you guys ever remember that movie broadcast news years and years ago that's what felt like where they're running through the hallways with this tape and trying to get this out back in the before everything was digitized. And they're running through there and I gotta tell you, it felt like that. I had I just got off of a off of a conference call, uh, driving home from Austin, I had to had some business in Austin early this morning, had to drive back for the podcast and I pulled in my garage, was finishing up this podcast and just a few minutes before we start the podcast, I raced into my office to get things going and it's just been one of those mornings where you go Everything's going fine. We're going live. It's good. But, man, the chaos. I felt like that duck. It looks calm on the surface, but there's a lot of activity below the surface to get us to go live. But, anyway, I'm so excited. We got this. No, let's we'll talk about our sponsors. We got all our sponsors. I'm going to start off by Finastra. On Wednesday, we've got a webinar that we're doing on, for Finastra. They've asked me to put together a group. And so we put together this. Get this. Shashank Chikar, who you guys have heard me on this podcast. Gabe Mitten, probably one of the foremost technologists in our industry, and along with Jeffrey Palermo, who is not known to the mortgage industry, soon will be because we're going to be bringing him on and talking about this. And we put together a program on Chat GPT. And this we're going to be talking about with these technologists and the vision that I have and that Shashank has, and we're, we're doing a webinar with this. And we were talking about this while I was driving home. It was so exciting. I want every listener to make sure you get an invitation to this webinar that Finaster is going to be doing, and uh, it is going to rock. They sent it out to 18,000 people, and we're excited to be – working with Finaster on this. I kind of put it together. I want you all to listen to it, whether I listen to it live if possible, and then get your questions in or at least get a copy of the recording. We'll make sure you get a copy of the recording so we can share it with all our listeners. This is going to be one of those discussions. Chat GPT is one of the fastest growing, most Googled topics out there. And we're going to be listening to what it can do and what it can't do. And just listening to Gabe and Jeffrey talk about what in the area of servicing. Already, Gabe Minton is using ChatGPT to measure the personality or the mood of the person that is calling in to their service centers. And what this opens up, folks, we are entering into another realm of technology. While we are looking at Rome burning, it feels like it at times, the interest rates. We got a nice recovery. And hear from Matt here just a little bit. Got a nice recovery going on interest rates. At least it was earlier. Yeah, it looks like we still got a recovery. Looking at my mbslive.net screens behind me. And uh, we got some good things going on. Again, a nice little recovery. We'll see if it lasts, Get the updates and all that. But behind that is, again, the underpinnings of probably one of the healthiest mortgage uh most bullish reasons and bullish about the housing market ever, ever. And that's out there because you look at the Gen Zers and you look at the millennials that are wanting to buy homes. And we are at 28%, 29% home ownership rate where that group should be around 60%. So we've got a huge upbeat. Okay, yeah, got housing inventory. Yes, we've got affordability issues because of rising interest rates. So anyway, we got to be looking for those exciting things that can be happening so finastra one of our sponsors is posting a uh, real exciting uh, hosting a real exciting we- we- uh, webinar on wednesday make sure you ask me uh, text me i'll get you an invitation and we'll put it in our show notes ben we will make sure he puts in our show notes uh, for this podcast so a lot of exciting stuff coming up. And then let's talk about Candor, another technology firm. One of the best out there automating your underwriting system, but more than just automating, it does so much to really right-size your workflow so operations can be op- re- operated in the most efficient basis possible. They say we right-size your operation for the last time because if you have use our technology, you're going to be in a place where you do not have to constantly be hiring and letting go and hiring. that this roller coaster ride that the mortgage industry has been on. And I don't think that's going to be going away, although I think we do have a real exciting one uh, future ahead of us. Let's also talk about Total Expert and what they do. They have the purpose built CRM that's a customer engagement platform. The keyword is engagement. Now, we just released on March fifteenth, uh, this last week, the interview with Joe Well you. You have got to listen to this interview because he too gets into talking about what chat GPT is doing. They're sending a whole team out to uh, the Bay area to meet with the folks at chat GPT to see what's happening. So it's a very, a must listen to podcast again. And we got to find things that we're excited about. <laughs> I guess I'm always excited. I see the future and I see it coming up roses for us in midst, in spite of all the current challenges we got going on. So, uh, Total expert interview. Go back and listen to it. it was released last week, March 15th. And then also Simple Nexus. They have their software and technology for the modern lender. What they're doing, quietly picking up all these companies behind the scenes, and they're adding so much vision and technology that's affordable. You know, the technology, yes, it's death by a thousand cuts, but if it pays for itself and it uh, it, it brings efficiencies such as Finaster does, such as uh, Candor does, such as Total Expert does, such, such as Simple Nexus does, then it starts making sense. So anyway, we also released recently an interview which uh, on March 8th uh, with Andrea Lightfoot. It is one of those ones you will love. Uh, also a special thank you to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Man, they're doing yeoman's work right now with all that's going on in the industry. We'll talk more about that. We'll hear about the MBA Mortgage Minute uh, just in a minute. Uh, and we also then have Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops are do such a great job. They just had their, annual, or their winter conferences. They do such a great job of bringing together lenders and vendors in a more intimate setting where you get to see and hear from your peers. Not like the big, big conference of the NBA. Now, you should, you should go to those, but you need to be paying attention to what Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative does. We've got – I just edited out what uh, the Mortgage Collaborative is doing, is they have MCU, Mortgage Collaborative University, and the training that they're doing, it is really exciting. Also, we have KnowledgeCoup, which is a great learning management system, as well as Mobility, MMI, and MODEX. Both of these are technology tools that look at what loan originators are really doing. You can hold people accountable for what, you know, uh, if you're looking to inter- recruit people, find out what they've actually done, not listen to what they say they've done, but actually go see what they've actually done. But or, and this is what I get excited about, how you can use Mobility MMI and Modix to select the right markets to go into that match your strengths. So powerful. And then also Mortgage Advisory Tools. So much to talk about. Thank you to all of our sponsors and our regulars who are here each and every week. My co-host, Mark Helm. Good to have you joining me again, Mark. Appreciate you. Glad to be here, sir. You bet. And then, we, of course, we've got Les Parker, Matt Grahams live here with us. We've got the Sanctus, Alice Alvey, and we've got the whole crew coming in hot and live and ready for it. We got Alan just dialed in on the mortgage tech update later on. So I don't think I left anybody out. Let's get into listening to um, – Oh, we got Shashank. It's going to be releasing. We released that uh, interview on for Friday. Shashank Shakar, Insta Mortgage, and talking about uh, GPT. It's a little bit of a glimpse of what is going to be the future looks like. So listen to that uh, interview, and then we're going to be doing a webinar. Uh, We'll talk about. You'll listen about that on uh, when we. uh, You'll listen to that in the podcast we released on Friday with Shashank. So, upcoming this week we've got Stacy Wider of the Mortgage Collaborative. We're going to be releasing the MCU. uh, The TMCU um, education. Really exciting stuff. So, All right. Let's get into what the MBA has for us with Adam DeSantis. Adam, thank you so much for producing this and sending it in to us. Hi.
2: I'm Adam DeSantis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHFA announced a 90-day delay in the effective date of the new LLPA for certain borrowers with debt-to-income ratios above 40%. The new effective date will be for deliveries on or after August 1st of this year. In addition, lenders will not be subject to post-purchase price adjustments related to this DTI ratio base fee resulting from post-purchase quality control reviews for loans acquired by the GSEs between August 1st and December 31st of this year. FHFA also stated that during this time, they intend to remain engaged with the industry to address operational concerns. MBA appreciates this delay, but is disappointed that the statement did not recognize the need to consider alternatives to using a DTI pricing adjustment. A DTI-based LLPA is unworkable and should be removed. Our primary concern continues to be the adverse impact of the fee on the consumer experience, and MBA is disappointed that the announcement does not propose alternatives to ease the negative impacts on lenders and their customers. In any case, the extended effective date allows for the necessary time to reconsider this policy, and MBA will continue its ongoing engagement with FHFA to push for the elimination of the DTI-based LLPA to look for an alternative solution. And finally, we're nearly a month away from MBA's annual Technology Solutions Conference, which takes place in San Jose, California, on our April 2nd through the 5th. For more information and to register, visit mba.org. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening.
0: Good job, Adam, to thank this. Appreciate the MBA. Appreciate you, Adam, for all that you do for us. Yeah, we're going to get some commentary. I'm looking to Alice give commentary in where we start discussing some of the things that they talked about with the LLPAs. Um, really interesting what's happening there. But let's get over it. First, I'm really interested in what's going on in the markets. We're looking at the bank failures. We're looking at all that's going on, the potential bank failures, the ones that have happened, the big three. And then what else is happening? You listen to Credit Suisse, what's happening this morning or over the weekend. Again, where are we heading? Well, let's see if Les Parker has some insights for us with TM Spotlight. Les Parker, here you are. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller,
3: making hedging easy. So this is what Joe meant when he said that Gov would spend? And now it's time to insure deposits of all banks right to the top. Who yelled, protect all deposits? President Biden, Treasury Secretary Yellen, and the Fed did. Uncoincidentally, the mega banks who just borrowed money from the new Fed emergency line of credit deposit some of it in First Republic Bank. By the end of the week, markets rejected the growth in moral hazard. Meanwhile, mortgages nervously wonder, will the Fed cut rates by the end of the year? Fed's just the same as it was. Now, don't you understand? The Fed's never changing what it is. Is. these views are my own discover it's time for change at tmspotlight.com oh that's good les parker gary catcher and les parker teaming up
4: to
0: give us a great segment that's really good that every really good the bailout of the banks i mean come on are you serious bailout everything we are sending ourselves up for a precedence that is just insane anyway Don't get me started on that. Let's get over to Matt Graham. Matt, so good to have you here. I'm dialing in from sunny, warm, I'm sure, Portland, Oregon. Uh, Maybe not so much.
4: It's a veritable uh, tropical paradise, as usual.
0: (laughs) Veritable tropical paradise. Oh, I appreciate you, Matt. Your humor is just wonderful. It's delightful. So what's going on, Mark?
4: You know what's not funny, Dave? What's not funny would be another run on banks uh, and bigger banks and uh, more serious contagion that may have transpired if the government uh, did not come up with this special assessment plan to, quote-unquote, bail out. other banks Because we're already talking to so many people that have pulled out so much money and moved it between institutions uh, just in search of safety and security. And I shudder to think what would have happened to liquidity in the mortgage market and just Mm
3: -hmm. the banking
4: system in general, if, if depositors um, that were over, you know, 250 grand didn't get protection. I'd heard over the years uh, past after, you know, 2008 anyway, that the 250 k thing was largely symbolic and that if it push came to shove, that depositors that had actually put cash in the bank would get it back. Uh, you don't really want to go forward in faith on such things, but uh, lo and behold, here we are. And we are. for whatever it's worth, the Fed is not uh, printing money to do this. They're just no. lending, lending mm-hmm. par value on securities that are, actually already exist. And uh, the Treasury is not increasing the burden on taxpayers to do it, as far as I understand. Anyway, I'm not an expert on it. Uh, my understanding is that there's a special assessment on banks, and that banks will end up paying for any shortfall in uh, yeah. in the FDIC portion. But investors and yeah.
0: bondholders
4: still yeah. shafted.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It's the mark to market on the the securities on the bonds that they're holding. That's when if if we keep raising interest rates, which just sure you know it, it sinks the value of the securities and the investments that they're holding so it you know so I, you bring out always bring out such a good point I, and that's why i love talking to you and i love your screens behind me uh, it's the point counterpoint matt and that's why i'm grateful to have you in my life and on our podcast because you do bring <laughs> I'm, you I'm always it, happy
4: to argue with you anytime you want well you, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: you it, well you do it but it's not just an argument there's such a, there's a lot of intelligence behind it so i and, and we could go into this we don't want to get into we try to avoid our politics. But yeah,
4: it's a lot of politics
0: these days. It's it's there. It's, it is. is Ideologies yeah. are all over the map. So anyway,
4: but I, I, think think the, I think the point you're hitting on is that there are two sides to yeah. many important issues, and sometimes if we examine those two sides and give them both some respect, then we can maybe get to the heart of the matter better than just um, you know coming to it with a, a preconceived notion. Not saying that that's what anybody's doing here. But just in general, in my approach right. to, to market analysis, um, you know, I like to consider the points and the counterpoint. Speaking of that, let's get into market. We've got yeah. a job to do. Yes. So last week ended up being fairly anticlimactic in the sense that we had initially been waiting for CPI, the Consumer Price Index, to give us that big update on inflation. And that was especially true before the banking stuff uh, started going down. But even after it began, there was still some hope that CPI could make a comment in one direction or the other that would tip the scales for uh, Fed expectations this coming week. Uh, As it happened, CPI did come in just slightly hotter at the core level, but not enough to cause any major reaction. In fact, um, I was surprised to see just how light the reaction was, and it really reinforced the fact that the market is waiting on the edge of its seat to find out if there's going to be a banking crisis right now or if we're just dealing with a couple of banks that happen to be either poorly managed or make some unfortunate decisions that were not able to weather the storm of a rising rate environment. Credit Suisse went down on, yes. um, on the 15th, and that sort of reinvigorated the, uh, the concern over banks, and my headline was mm-hmm. – Dave, you know, the, you know the signs on the, the factory floor that says you have gone X number of days without a workplace accident, yes. you know, and you, <laughs> want, you want that sign to get bigger and bigger, right? So yeah, right. as of Monday morning or Tuesday morning, right, we, you have gone two days without a, a systemic banking flare-up. And uh, then on Wednesday, that number was reset to zero, and the closer that number is to zero – the better it has been for bonds. And the more that number goes yep. up, the worse it is for bonds. Um, so the credit fees <laughs> flare up, right? It reset it to zero. And um, we've pretty much just been waiting to see if another shoe will drop, hoping to maybe make it to Fed Day to, on Wednesday this week mm. to see how the Fed is going to process all this. Because this is yes. the most interesting Fed announcement I could imagine, even oh, yeah. you know more interesting than anything we've had since the pandemic, because this is the first time where they really have a decision to make and where the market doesn't really agree on what they're going to do. You have some very big trade desks calling for no hike. And then you have some other people saying it would be crazy if they didn't hike, they have to hike by at least 25 bits. Otherwise it sends it, you know, sends the market into a different kind of frenzy. Yep. So we need to remember that they have, multiple tools beside the rate hike itself. So whether they hike by 25 bps or not, um, it will depend on what it is accompanied by in terms of the dot plot, uh, primarily. And that just refers to the Fed's rate hike outlook, their forecast that each member submits. We can be fairly certain we're going to see a change in those. And uh, I think some Fed members will, will cut their outlook and some will keep it the same, and the market's going to learn a lot. And I think the market's going to learn that the Fed is a lot more bearish on rates than the average market participant, uh, given that financial markets are now pricing in um, more than a percent less, almost 2% less at times, uh, on the end of year rate hike or rate outlook. So heading into all this, we're up at 5.6, give or take, on the December Fed funds Futures. And uh, at the at the lowest rate levels, we are three point six last week right now, four percent, which is still way off the highs, but um, not too much change for next or for this week's meeting. And, uh, you know, roughly 60, 70, 80 percent chance, depending on how you want to crunch the numbers, that they will go ahead and hike 25 bits. So then we're focusing on the dots and on Powell's press conference and seeing what the Fed has to say about, you know, is this contained? Is this. Something they're they're worried about happening elsewhere, and no matter what Powell says, I don't think the market's going to rule it out. And as long as the market's not mm-hmm. ruling it out, then there's not a ton of upward pressure on rates. But uh, the longer we go, the more that that little placard counts the days up without a workplace accident. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the more analogy. race can sort of gradually drift back up. Oh, that's
0: what I love. You you and Bill Corbett, one of the guys we're going to add to the podcast at some point in time, is, have got these masters of subtlety. Les Parker just joined in. He dialed in because, you know, anytime he hears something and I see him join in, so we've got to get his commentary. <laughs> Les Parker joining in the discussion. Thank you for doing so, How are you? What's your thoughts on all this craziness?
3: Well, I'm not as good as Eeyore. Able to <laughs> say it so clearly. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, Matt always does a great job of assessing how the market's doing. It's when he swerves into policies and opinion on policy, we've got to maybe have the other side that, of truth, you know. Yeah. what I love about it. Point, counterpoint all the way through. What I love about you is, too, is you, you respect
0: each other so much. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Well, you have. Well, you have to because we're neither one of us are people that move markets. So um if you're trying to assess smart guys gonna move a market, you've gotta look at a neo Keynesian view like uh Matt tends to look through. Um or you have to look at more the Austrian school or the fiscal policy that uh, okay. okay. uh Cochrane pushes, um, you know, different views. Um, and i 'm i more'm probably closer aligned to to doug duncan than than uh, yeah. matthews but but it's uh it's not far off so anyway no. the issue no. is dude, ha- we are creating moral hazard anytime we do these things and come out with these type statements uh sBB was a unique situation in that it was heavy i mean multimillion dollar deposits hundreds of millions of dollars deposits to start up biotechs, uh, that was the bulk of their contributions. Should those people have to wait for their money some? Yes. And are there ways that you can, because uh, the, they had to go ahead and close them because they when they did the bond sale, essentially it dropped their, their uh, capital down to zero. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to do something. Um, the issue is how you do that. So, that it's it's not that there shouldn't be action. There's needed to be taken action. And I think there was a view, which I thought Matt articulated well, that, okay, we'll go ahead and do this, but the net effect is a small amount, you know, a few billion maybe at the most, um, versus the other effect, of if it would have gone the way I want, would have still ended up with the same type of couple billion, but instead of it being out of – The FDIC, even if they're going to do a special assessment of other banks, it comes out of depositors or could come out of those depositors. So it's it's a matter of who you're choosing as winner and losers here, and that's the problem with a capricious government. And we have a capricious government more today than we ever have, and that's the problem. Who's going to be the winner? Who's going to be the loser?
0: well it's a discussion it's always fun to get into and i would love to dive in but let's get around and get everyone but matt i just first of all i'm grateful for you it's at so many levels uh you know we tease you about the eeyore sound at the time but yeah, the brilliance that operates behind there and it's so wonderful to have to get these different viewpoints on it les and matt you you guys are both brilliant thank you so much for being here and contributing to this let's get mark and then I want to get around to Al, see if she has any questions. And uh, the regulars, Mr. Kittle, uh, get questions in on any of this. Uh, again, more questions rather than commentaries because everyone's got noses. We could, I mean, it, everyone's got an opinion on this thing. Uh, it's less into that. It's more like the questions of these two. Uh, so, Mark, any questions you have that you want to enter in this
5: discussion? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine mine is kind of a question to both gentlemen, and uh, I was going to make a comment right before uh, Les joined on, and he solidified that I was positively going to make a comment from making his comment. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I've you know, it, it it's not about necessarily economic thought, policy, and and who you pair up with, and what kind of theories you use on it, or whatnot. To me, it's it's just that you know our country. The the basic premise of our country in many respects has been to have a laissez-faire type involvement where the government should stay the hell out of things to some degree. Now, granted, if we haven't if we hadn't had the government uh, if we, if the government had jumped in back in the '30s, maybe we would have never had to run on the banks back then. Mm-hmm. But what I'm concerned about is the precedence we're establishing when it involves banks who have done something speculative. And or haven't followed the rules, or not managed their portfolios well, and I think I can talk about all three banks and find something in each one of their categories that fits with what I just said there. So then we technically are reinforcing, ensuring, et cetera, for lack of a better term, people for doing not doing a good job. So I don't have a problem with what was done, but I I I think the the wording should not have been we're here to save you as much as it should have been, we don't want to run on a bank, so we're gonna support this because I, I don't I don't wanna see this as a common occurrence going down the road because people gotta stand back and realize the banking system stands on its own and one or two banks are gonna fall fail every once in a while and, you know, I know the people in the country are hard to understand that, but I understand that and we have bank failures every year. So I just yeah. wish people would get smarter and not be dependent on the big picture stuff. You know, yeah. it's more of a yeah. statement than a question. So I, just, I guess I'm asking Matt and uh, really Matt and, uh, and Les, how do you feel about that? I mean, the question is, we have now established a precedent. Should we build some new rules around this so that we're just not floating out there supporting everybody that makes a bad decision and bailing them out? Or you know what's what's the way we're going to handle this on a go forward down the road,
4: you know. I agree with um, you know the way that it should be uh, characterized in terms of we don't want to run on the banks versus this is a bailout, but um, you, you know as far as establishing a new precedent, I. I can't say that I was too surprised that we saw both the liquidity facility from the Fed or the, the excess of 2250 k in the FDIC portion because I don't view it as much as a bailout because it's depositors getting their money. And they straight up said that, uh, hey, look, if you're a bondholder or investor, you're screwed. Have a great day. And that's the way it should be in these situations, unfortunately, for those bondholders and investors. But if you're a depositor, I mean, we have clients that have talked to us about, you know, their banking issues with SBB, and they have nothing to do with companies or venture capital or anything like that, and uh, they weren't going to be able to uh, meet payroll if they didn't have that deposit coverage. And that's just, you know, maybe you should bank somewhere else, (laughs) but they didn't know that at the time, and um, I think think if you have a, a, a green dollar bill in the US and you put it in a bank, it's nice to know you can get it back out. Even if you're only guaranteed yeah. two hundred and fifty grand. Um, I think the rationale quite clearly was if we don't do this, it gets way, way worse. And it's not about bailing yeah. out the bank. It's like you said, it's about preventing a run That's on scary. other banks. That's a yeah. systemic scenario. I
5: yeah. I agree with that, Matt, but but you know the the fact still remains that when they developed the used to be a hundred thousand dollar limit, that might predate some of you guys on the phone. And now it's yep. two hundred and fifty thousand dollar limit. Well, you know, that really it was kinda inferred like when it was developed to protect the small guy, the guy that really has the small deposits. There's never been really anything out there to protect people with millions and millions of dollars. So it's a it's a big jump from protecting somebody at two hundred and fifty to saying, All right, we're gonna protect anybody, whether it's ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty or whatever million because it, it kinda tears at the reason the the insurance rule was put there in the first place. I don't think an insurance program with a $250 limit, $250,000 limit was ever built to protect the big guys. It was built to protect the, most of the small guys. And I don't have a problem with that. But yeah. I just, I, if they're going to insure it, insure all of it and be done with it is the way I look yep. at it. And I, they don't
4: have to a worry problem. about bailout. The, the, I think know? the problem there is that a vast majority of the deposits um, in terms of total volume are over 250. Uh, very few banks yeah. even have e- even have more than half of their accounts that have less than 250, um, yeah. which is – or half of their money is – in I don't remember the statistics. But I got a screenshot or a, a chart that I got somewhere, and I'll have to pull well, up. Cr- but well, it's correct angering. me if I'm wrong,
5: but don't the, don't the banks still have to pay a premium for that insurance?
4: I don't know. Yeah,
5: I don't know. I think they
4: yeah.
5: do. Yes, th- I'm pretty sure they do. And if that's the case, I'm, you know, a, I'm advocating. There go ahead and insure it. Insure it all. I mean, let's, there's also let's go another ahead program. Step up and and have the, the people that are managing those big bucks pay the price tag for the big failures if they have to be covered with
6: the insurance. You know.
4: Yeah, definitely. And there's a, there's also another program that the banks can opt into where um, they. It's it's basically like uh, crowdfunding, uh, deposit insurance, and right, um, right. It it yeah. it enables like up to a million dollars of coverage. I don't know how it works, but I just actually just came across that last week, oddly enough. Yeah. And please Rest, don't take
5: you anything I said the wrong way. I'm I'm certainly glad that we avoided a run on the banks.
4: Yeah. Have no. Oh yeah. No. I'm not. I'm not taking anything personally here. I'm just. Yeah. But I'm well, all you, good. You're good. We're good.
3: I believe it would have been there wouldn't have been a run on the banks regardless. So, you don't think so. Uh, Ken Griffin, Ken Griffin of uh, Citadel, um, another one of our billionaires out there, uh, he came out immediately and was uh, pretty aggressively saying we're just increasing moral hazard again. Uh, and but what is interesting is the in in uh, there's plenty of policy thinkers that are saying look if you're going to continue this patchwork. You know, there's twenty thousand pages of regulations on banks. So, twenty thousand. You're looking at twenty thousand pages of regulations. So, and and there there's talk now. Well, we need to have more regulation. Excuse me. The only reason SBB, <laughs> the only reason SBB was missed, if we're going to, there's a single finger that can be point one direction, and that was the oversight by that region of that bank because they missed something yeah. ultra clear. This was a very clear problem that they really could have caught in uh, probably Q2 of last year. Additionally, they also have a board of directors, and that means they fail. And I in th- FYI, this particular bank, SVB, is very much a woke bank. So they had agreed that we have to have a picture of a board that looks like America, which – didn't rely upon Mm -hmm. meritocracy. So you aren't looking for the best and brightest to necessarily fit there. You're trying to fit some political agenda. And that also goes with the oversight for that region is also dealing in the San Francisco region. So you end up with mediocrity on a board, and you end up with oversight that's mediocrity, and you end up with a collapse.
0: Well, then you look at FTX to talk about yeah, um, a blend. That's we want to get into. It. I got some questions coming in from listeners because obviously we got a lot of people listening. Alice's going to get over to you. Get Alan. I got a quick. I know you just texted me the quick question. I got some list, questions from listeners. Great guys, this is one of them. I run secondary. I'm really concerned about this whole thing. Got it. One from a CFO that just texted me uh, while we're doing listening to this discussion. They're saying, okay, okay, it's interesting. It's, you forget the politics, get all this. How do we manage through this? How should we be managing through this? Now that's probably more of a less Parker question, but I want yeah, to go right to up
3: My alley of how we should manage this. But I want to very... I wanna,
0: I wanna go to Matt first. I can, just let say... me give
3: you a quick, a quick answer on how they can manage this. First, okay. is they need to realize that we are in volatile times as the Fed is now taking its foot off of various different things. You're in more volatility than you were pre pre COVID yeah the volatility index is, in yeah. that more volatile time, the mortgage bankers need to be disciplined in understanding what their risk is, and they also yeah. need to be managing that convexity, which which is not easy to do, particularly difficult to do if you're trying to use premium and premium securities have illiquidity so those that are not using any long options to try and manage the edges of this, that is five to 10, maybe 15 of your positions should be managing that with some type of long volatility and not just taking the long volatility that's in the premiums that needs to be in options. That's the, the short of it, long and short of it.
0: I get, I get a lot of people are writing in right now, just saying, I love this discussion. Matt and Les coming on here with Les dialing in. A lot of people are, thank you for doing that. It's point counterpoint. Mr. Kidd, will get over to you real quickly. Real quick thought or questions you have.
6: Um, yes, I may have uh, a, a glass of bourbon earlier today than normal after this. <laughs> so I, I do want to say I would take what Les said with a little bit of steroids because he's right, but it's time to name names. I know the people listening here want solutions, but yes, that's the, what they're looking the CEO of the SBB was a board member of the San Francisco Fed, so he was overseeing himself. And that's Greg Becker, and he is, it's not rumor, he's he's taken off and gone to his condo in Hawaii, sold his stock three weeks earlier, which should have been a red flag. So where is the accountability? We're talking about solutions, but part of the solution is to have accountability for the people who are there to enforce the regulations. And that's the entire San Francisco Federal Reserve, clean house, and look what these people didn't do because they're the ones who were responsible for not letting this happen.
0: Yep. So, Alice, I was going to tease you and come over to you and ask you. And Alice is going to give us a disc- d- definition of convexity risk. I was totally teasing just to have a little fun with you, Alice. But, yeah, any of your thoughts as you listen to this? You're like me probably just sitting here going, this is so interesting.
7: Yeah, this is great. And, actually, I think David's remarks are great ones to end on. And uh, so I'm going to leave it at that.
0: Yeah. Alan, you had asked about the, the folks uh, – well, go ahead. You, you texted me the question. I'll let you ask the question, and then we're going to move on. Well, into- I, into- I, you second. know – I,
1: I mean, it, forget about the mortgage industry. Just, just the, the, the banking industry in a whole is what everybody's talking and interested about, so this conversation is really good. But, you know, we're skipping over – and you can call them all conspiracy theorists, but there's a lot of people talking about the fact that we are moving to a digital currency – And the fact that I forgot how much cash is actually in rotation, and other countries have already adopted, and we're laggers, but we have um, private or secret programs. Biden signed something in the law at the end of last year. You hear all this stuff, right? You can't avoid it. Um, I guess one of the questions is, you know, Les and Matt, what, what do you guys think about digital currency, and does that have any effect on what's going on right now?
4: Uh, no strong opinions, just because I'm not super educated on it. I mean, I know the the Fed has been talking about it for a while. Um, you know, I as far as how it impacts everything that's going on, I don't really know much about how that would be, other than uh, I, you know, I've heard SVB and then uh, Signature Bank were heavy into crypto, and that may have played a role in some of their losses, but. Again, you're talking to a guy that doesn't really follow that space very much.
0: You stick to the facts, Mr. Uh, Friday. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love what you stick to and don't wander off and stuff. All right. Les, I know um, we're going to – well, Alan, thank you so sure. much. He, the, uh, there's a lot of talk about crypto, but, it, again, what we're trying to do in this podcast is how do the – when people listening to this, listening to what's going on, watch, watching the news, how do they navigate this? We're trying to bring at least critical thought to the – How do we manage through this cycle? And that's what we're trying to get to. Anyone else want to contribute? Otherwise, we're going to go over to Mr. Wrap Up the Market Talk.
3: No, Uh, thank you very much, Dave, for letting me call in so quickly here. And the very practical, too, is that mortgage bankers need to – those that oversee capital markets need to demand from their heads of capital markets or secondary marketing – um, understandable, we be able to see sensitivity analysis yeah. and ask questions. Ask yeah. questions. Manage the variances. If you see something change a lot from one period to the next period, one day to day, or one week to a week, or however frequently oversight's looking at it, they need to ask questions. And yeah. if you don't understand it, ask it again and have the, sec- the secondary people try again to explain it to them. If if it's not at a sixth-grade level, then Einstein says you don't understand it. So if your secondary people can't explain it in ways you can understand it, you have a problem.
0: Really and good point, Les.
3: How, how many people
0: do secondary yep. speak to hide their own uh, you know, lack of knowledge of this? Well, that's good. Right, we could go on and Absolutely. on again.
3: All right. Yep.
0: Thank you, Les, for dialing in. I appreciate it always. You're an avid listener, and he, uh, he's already dropped out. But anyway, th- and Matt, thank you so much. I do value you. I, I mean, we did cover the TM Spotlight, so if you want to sign up for that, go to tmspotlight.com, put in Powered for the into the code. You get a great newsletter that's a, that's a paid version. You get it for free. And to sign up for Matt Graham's must-must-have service, mbslive.net. It is the best out there for just looking at the vast majority of all the information, and he provides a great spot. There's other services out there that you you could augment it with, but I think Matt is a must-have right now, and I love what you do, Matt. And more importantly, I love where you come from. You just – and thank you so much for being part of this podcast, Matt Graham. I really do appreciate it. Check out mbslive.net. You can sign up for it by using the LOL code. It stands for Licking on Lending. Thank you, Matt. I love that code. And you can get the extended trial version. I had someone who was listening to me. Uh, we were doing a conference call, and they go, Lickin, what are the screens behind you? I go, it's MBS Live. And it's someone who's getting Morgan already into the mortgage space. And uh, is that something I need to have? And I go, absolutely. This is a must have especially in these times so he went out and hit that mbs live and did the lol and he signed up and i think he's already signed up as a customer so we're grateful for you matt look forward to drive business i just want to make you outrageously successful at what you
4: do
3: Thank you Dave. Man.
4: have a good week
0: you bet have a good one friend let's get over to david kittle on a mortgage update on rigidations what are you hearing kittle we're seeing with rates drop we're seeing some uptick in volumes again what are you hearing out yeah. there any thoughts
6: yeah, it's, it's all positive the last week or so, right? Everybody's uh, originations are up. I haven't heard anybody that has increased somewhat, and uh, with rates fall a little bit, it's, it's great and positive news. Uh, is it going to sustain? We'll see what the Fed does. And my guess is uh, they go ahead and do the twenty-five bits. I think they have to, which is what Matt said earlier. So I'm in that. I'm in that school. I don't think that they can they can change their process at this point at all because inflation is still out there and regardless yeah. of what's going on at the banks. So you have to yeah. take care of it.
0: I know it it's Matt or less that said it so well. They said if we if they don't, we got another conundrum on the other side of that. There's a ditch on the I'm other sure side of the room. Definitely want to stay out of that ditch. So that's yeah, so get, true. A quick
6: comment about the community banks. Yeah. Because, you know, we have many of them, and they're all great, all of them inside uh, the Mortgage Collaborative and really across the country. But um, this is kind of a throwback over to Mark Helm for a second, who is, certainly a warehouse line uh, expert. Um, I would. I don't know what happens if a particular community bank goes under and you've got loans on their warehouse line, and it's a thought. So I would be taking a very close look at whoever I'm doing business with who's on their board because of what happened with Signature Bank and what happened mm-hmm. with uh, SVB and uh, see where they're investing their money. You know, 99.9% of them are wonderful and invest in their communities. But you have these outliers like the two we're talking about here, and uh, it would be a good thing to just take a look at who you're doing business with and who's on that board.
0: Get to know your counterparties. It is so, so true. Mark, yeah, I want to add a They, they
6: certainly want to know about you when they're signing the bank yeah. contracts yeah. on the warehouse line. so, uh, you know, a reverse mirror uh, is order of the day. Yep, yep, yep.
3: Mark, that's any thoughts great on point,
5: that? David. That's yeah. a great That's a great point. I mean, I think that's a, one of the most valid points that's been made today. I mean, yeah. you, you need to know know your bank. Oh, and you need to know how they manage their company. But i got to share something with you guys yeah. that is so, so funny you're not going to believe this. So I decided <laughs> to go in the chat, GBT, while we're on the phone to check out that question about, are the banks still paying a premium for the what was the old FDIC coverage? And and for some reason the chat is busied out right now. Okay, and I have the <laughs> premium service, so yeah. it says. Then it responded to a question. Somehow picked up you guys talking, and it said, "Write a TV ad about the status of Chat GPT." So it it gives you a open thing. How they say looking at a room full of engineers working, and then it says. A voiceover begins at OpenAI. We're dedicated to bringing you the best artificial intelligence. Our team of engineers work tirelessly to make sure our chat bot is always up and running, ready to answer your questions and provide helpful sight. But the next paragraph said, the camera cuts to a shot of three engineers sitting at a table, sipping <laughs> on their morning coffee. They look up and turn to face the viewer. One of them speaks, unfortunately, due to high volume, so user uh currently trying out chat g V T we're experiencing some technical difficulties. Please bear with us and check back soon for access to our chat box. That damn thing has a sense of humor that's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Goes they're, back to and they're
5: sitting there sipping on their coffee. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: when we were talking to gay men. This goes to and my, well. I'll save this towards a little bit later because I'll remind me to my gay to talk about uh, how they're using uh, uh, AI and the personality side. But Mr. Kittle, thank you so much for dialing in and being here. It is always a pleasure, friend. Anything else that you want to share with
6: our listening audience? No, I'm, I'm good. I think it's been a great call today. Yeah, this is one of those ones I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. All right,
0: let's get over to Alice Alvey. So good to have you, Alice. This has been one of those ones. I mean, I have good knowledge of the capital markets. I have good knowledge of this. But when you get a lesson, Matt, talking about it, and then you get Marco Pining, and they you get all this, the, the Kittle jumping in on it, it, it's just so dynamic. It's hard not to just want to go pour a latte and listen.
7: <laughs> but It is. It was enjoyable. And, and so now I'm going to have everybody switch what gear they're in in their brain. Yeah. And now go <laughs> through, you know, my points are, uh, you know, we've got stuff going on. It's not yep. uh, as imminent as that, but it is definitely top of mind, which is the, thank goodness, the extension only of when we have to implement this 40% DTI loan level price adjustment. Right. What's disappointing, as uh, MBA reported on, and and I think the word disappointing is just trying to be uh, politically correct. I think a better word is more as what's outrageous is that this decision was – seems like it was made in a vacuum, didn't consult the industry, and still seems to be uh, completely unaware, or at least – yeah, I'm going to say completely unaware of the real impact to consumers on a day-to-day basis who are trying to get a new loan. Um, and that they don't have an understanding of the day-to-day. So the idea that it's just a postponement of the DTI just indicates that as an industry, we still have a battle out there to help uh, the regulators understand that this is not workable for most consumers. And it's not things within the industry's control. So the idea that we're just going to postpone it implies that as an industry, we have to figure out operationally how we'll get it done. Well, I can do that all day long. I mean, as a company, I can put controls in place so you can teach people all you want. Consumers change during the loan process. Lots of things change that they do, things that are beyond everybody's control, and can impact a pricing change like this multiple times throughout the, the loan process. So... You know, there are many other layers to the onion of uh, problems with this, but I think the one to focus on is how difficult it will be for a consumer to understand their financing and their rate after we work so hard trying to try and yes. get it right up front and keep it yeah. consistent for them. So, um, right And there. so to layer on with that, I don't know, did you want to talk about the 40 DTI um uh, any no, more I, than that?
0: No, I think, Mark, did you have a question on that? Anything you wanted to add in uh, layer in on? No, I'm fine. Okay, good. Now, keep on going, Al. Keep on trucking.
7: So the second piece is um, HUD um, announcing that they're going back to their 2013 discriminatory effects rule. So I'm not so sure much of uh, the 2020 piece was put into place or practice, but for HUD it felt a lot more difficult. Certainly it was because, um, in the 2020 piece, there were parts added that now put more accountability uh, to prove that there was a disparate impact and to have more proof involved. I'll just simplify it that way since we're full on time here. For, uh, for lenders, what it means is we go back to the days of you have your data and then you have to go back and look at it to see if there was implied uh, discrimination against any protect, protected class. So they're difficult things to put up front, you now have to go back and look at your data. Did anything I cause unintentionally cause a challenge to any particular protected class? And this 40 DTI, I think, falls into that bucket of something that could, along the line, be something where you implement it as best you can, but then when you go back and look at data, Now it's one more layer to identify was everyone treated fairly in the process as as a DTI is bouncing around in the loan file. You spend so much time thinking I'll go with the lowest income, you know, that I can to make sure we don't have any problems. Well, now that goes out the window. I have to use the right income to make sure Mm -hmm. I don't uh, end up charging someone who shouldn't be charged. Uh, So the combination of the two will be something we'll watch play out, um, you know, as as we hopefully the DTI doesn't go into effect, but if it does, uh, it will definitely play into this new position HUD is taking slash old position they're going back to. So yeah, yeah. Um, that's my info for today, Dave. Oh.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you much. Back to the future a little bit. Um, how are you, character? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Alice LV, I value you so much. Ben he, Ben here since the beginning of the podcast. Over 15 years, we've been doing this together, and I value you. your Just such uh, our listeners' value and your contribution each and every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Let's get over to Al. By the way, if you want to reach Al, by the way, Alice is the CMB Vice President of Education and Training at the the beloved Union Home Mortgage, a home of uh, uh, Bill and Al, and they do a great job of running that company, and we're grateful that they lend Alice to us on this podcast. If they didn't, we'd have to come out and take violent action against them. Just joking. We love you, Bill and Al. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Alice being here every each and every week. Alan Pollock has dialed in with a weekly tech update and probably a <laughs> little you were throwing in. Alan, what you got, my friend?
1: Well, funny enough, um, funny I was enough. starting off with, with jokes from chat GPT. And so, Mark, you were you were spot on because some of the jokes talk about GPT being at capacity. So, at first, I went to Chat, chat GPT to have them write some new mortgage material for me, and I, I did say you know please write mortgage jokes um, that could be used as great dad jokes, and I got the response that um, it was it was busy. So I googled Chat GPT jokes, and there's some pretty interesting ones. Some are kind of dry. Um, like this one says, tell me that you hate me without telling me, quote, I am a large language model trained by open AI, so it does not have the ability to experience emotions, end quote. And so ChatGPT's response to that first part of the joke is, uh, too many requests in one hour. Please try again later. <laughs> um, then, The next one is please write a rap song about the status of chat gpt and so i'm gonna i'm gonna go for my most inner inner musical
4: <laughs> you know um for technology the, a, yeah. okay so here, here we go. go this is
1: this is a rap about the status of chat gpt it says yeah yo what's up chat gpt fan a lot of people trying to jam but don't worry, we got your back. Just check back soon; we'll get you on track. Chat GPT is the place to be for all your AI chat needs. We're working hard to keep you up to, to keep up the pace. So hold on tight. We'll be back in the space. Yo yo, so don't you worry. Don't be mad. We're working hard. It's not so bad. Just give us time. We'll be back. Yo yo, ChatGPT, the future of chat. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It can write its own rap. I had not even thought of that application. But remember, when it comes to data, it's 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 not been updated with anything from the internet since 2001. So nothing 2022, nothing 2023 in there. And there's a lot going on between that and that gap
7: period. Yeah. So I I
5: think Um, what I think what it's doing right now it's 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 basically blocking you out because it's too busy rather than having you wait in queue forever to get in so that's pretty yeah. smart if it recognizes yeah. that capacity and why hold people out there you know it is
6: but
1: more 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 to come and chat GPT um, I will I will say David I, I Forbes has an article about AI in banking really and it, yeah it's an interesting article it's just called the future of AI in banking um, it's from today, actually, 9.45 a.m. Eastern, so it's very mm-hmm. relevant. And it talks about, you know, chat GPT-3. Um, it talks about how it's reached a million monthly active – I'm sorry, 100 million um, <clears throat> monthly active users. Anyways, what basically says, how is banking going to improve? It's no different, David, than when we had FaceMe on, right, the folks over there, and they had the digital human. I had built a digital human with them. And, I had tied it into open banking. Well, what's really, really interesting is Forbes says the same thing. It's going to be great for account inquiries, money transfers, loan applications, credit score monitoring, financial robo-advice, right? Things that we do today independently of the chat GPT model, but what they also talk about, and by the way, they get into insurance claims, financial planning, um, but the challenges and considerations that we all have to be very careful of is that some AI system, and depending if there's rails for the AI to live within or to run their train on, you have security, you have PII information, you have possibly decisions that aren't being validated by a human that understands uh, certain other details. There's a lot, you know, AI can go rogue. So that's why in our industry, we've talked so much about, prior to ChatGPT, everybody was claiming that their systems are AI, right? Some of them weren't really AI, but they do what AI does, or they they do a very small little component of AI. Um, And and banking is probably going to take some time, and I'm sure there will be regulation around being able to truly just unleash, you know, your customer's information into a system that potentially can do what it wants. And we have to be very careful of that. Now, let's, Let's talk about where we don't have that risk, right, marketing and talking about the market and, and saying, hey, without giving me personal information, you may fit into this loan model. Think about it in banking, David, the, the, ability, the ability to robo-advise that, you know, you can take your money and split it between four different accounts with three different beneficiaries and you're covered up to a million dollars, right? Those are the things that can replace a human that there, you have less risk in. By the yeah. way, um, I think Mark or Matt, you mentioned earlier today, I think it was you, Matt, that there's a product out there that some of the banks subscribe to that automatically can diversify your deposits across, like the crowdsourcing you mentioned.
3: Yeah, I think it so was. So it's called yeah. an
1: insured cash, yeah, it's called an insured cash sweep, ICS. You usually pay a little bit for it, um, but you can go to fine intra fine key work deposits. Anyways, I, I will put, give you that link, David. You can share it out.
0: Send yeah. that to Ben so we get that um, in, our, in our show notes. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect.
1: Yeah. But it's called an insured cash sweep ICS and, uh, and they can get you up to a multi-million dollar FDIC protection on large deposits and earn a return and enjoy flexibility. Oh.
6: Um,
1: yeah. with that being said, David, I know we're nearing the time. Um, I had some great stuff I wanted to get to, but Mark, at the end of last week's segment, you mentioned there were some things that you wanted to chat about this week. I don't know if uh, we can make it to those questions today, but if so, I thought I'd throw it over to you and, and see what some of your feedback was.
5: Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer on that since we're so close, but I'm going to share one thing in closing here, if I could. I, I validated I was right. Uh, FDIC uh, premiums are paid by the bank. Uh, I also remember this when I read it, FDIC receives no congressional appropriations. So when somebody says that we're not using taxpayer money with FDIC, the politicians anyway, they're correct in saying that. But the interesting thing is, regardless of all that, it says FDIC insures trillions of dollars deposits, and they are backed by the Good faith and credit of the United States government. Yeah. So you that know, is a no taxes, but but it's it's backed by. So anyway, yeah. so the banks could pay a larger premium, and insure more money if they wanted to, you know, if it was available, you know. Very good. Great point. Great point. All right. But I had to do Google on that because Chat GBT wasn't working. GBT was not working. So
0: <laughs> they're on they're on a latte break. I love it. All right. Uh, so there's we, we got to get through this some of this other stuff, Alan, because you've always got so many good updates. I, we are at the end of our time and I hate to do that, but this does fit what I was talking uh, with you. So Alan, I'd love to get your thoughts on this and this, it ties in with your background, uh, Mark, and that is your servicing background and how Gabe Mitten was talking about how they are using ch- uh, our AI to. Uh, anticipate or, or listen in and um, make a reasonable, intelligent guess on the mood of the customer, whether he's upset they're angry, anxious or whatever, and, and how to suggest how to respond differently in a way that will create a more successful experience for the consumer in whatever emotional state they are in angry or otherwise, whether they should be
3: listening.
0: <clears throat> we used to have a technology that did that years and years ago and listed in to the inbound call that was coming in and it had a 97% accuracy rate of predicting the personality type of the person and didn't get into their emotional state as much as just their personality type. And we routed the call to the appropriate loan officer that or the intake person that had a like personality and it created a much more so successful experience. We're going to be seeing a lot more of that as you go into that. Your thoughts, Alan, and then what would that impact be, Mark?
1: Alan? Yeah, I mean, it's 100% accurate. IBM Watson and other ones have been doing that for a long time. Right. Yeah. Um, they, they look at they look at the uh, the emotional connection to technology or to subject matter. So um, it will only get better with time, but it, it has existed, like you said. And I think it's very reasonable. Um, I, I think it's a very applicable. I, I, I believe that um, we can better service our customers and, you know, emotionally know how they feel. And, and I think – you know, we always look at net promoter scores, at least from the technology side, yep. and what we can do to make our customers um, feel better. And, and we have compassion
5: towards them, and, and that is a good way to help.
0: Yep, feel heard and connected with them. Such an important part. Mark, any last thoughts as we wrap it up? Yeah,
5: I'll give you some. I'll give you some thoughts on that. That that is uh, not surprising that we've developed to that state because being a psychologist. I will tell you that when you're talking to someone, where it's marriage or family counselor and assessing a situation and whatnot, we look for certain ticks that come from people, and that can be body language. It can be certain words they say, how they stress certain words and all. And part of being a good psychologist is being able to recognize those factors coming out of somebody. So if you can, you know, it's not that hard, wouldn't be that hard to take a recorded conversation And have things like that picked up on it to help you evaluate the person you're dealing with. So it doesn't surprise me, and I'm not surprised how high a a process it is, is this percentage of reliability on predicting what you're dealing with, especially the example you used, David, with customer service. doesn't surprise me at all. So it's just really taking something that psychologists have been doing with a notepad and recordings and looking at a person for years and – putting it in a scientific manner and and rational reasoning and listening to somebody and what they say. And so it's probably going to get even more intense as it goes on and be able to do more and more things.
0: Yeah, and Zach, you can find that scary or you can find that really enabling to help create a better experience for the customer. I I prefer the latter approach rather than the scarier part. And uh, yeah, so avoid the moral hazards. Some of this we need to use, and this it really comes down to, they say the moral hazard, we could get into that. We're out of time. I want to keep talking about this stuff. Great stuff. Mark, thank you. Alan, thank you for participating. All the others have already gone out to start to continue the rest of their work day. We appreciate you listeners being here with us. Again, we love your feedback. Thank you for those of you who wrote in today. Great discussion. How to manage through this was one of the best ones. Love to the, the talk, but what do I do to manage through this? That's what we're here for, listeners, is to help you manage through this by bring you this kind of critical conversation and thought. So good to have you here. Thank you to our sponsors, Candor Finastra, Total Expert, Simple Nexus Mortgage Bankers Association, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility, MMI, MODIC, and Mortgage Advisory Tools. Folks, have a great rest of your week and we'll look forward to having you back here next week. <laughs>